Item one, hit the grocery store. Item two, laundry. Item three, overthrow capitalism. You know, for somebody who taught Latin, your inability to pronounce French, like, hurts. Oh, look at you getting to the end of my stuff. Motherfucker. But seriously, I do think that this bucolic, luxurious, live your weird fucking dreams kind of life is something worth noting. <sighs> because of course he had. I got into an argument essentially uh, with with some folks as to whether or not um, punching Nazis is something you should do. And they're like, no, then you're just as bad as the Nazis. And I was like, the Nazis committed genocide. I'm talking about breaking noses. Drink scotch and eat strychnine. All right, you, you can't leave that lying there. Luxury poultry. Yes, yes. Fancy it's, chickens. Yes, fancy chickens. Pet, pet fancy chickens. Pet fancy chickens. Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history and English teacher here in Northern California. And um, right now I'm very tired and very sore because my in-laws are visiting. And that means that my weekend has been filled so far with uh, home improvement projects. So um, it's, it's always lovely to see them. Um, I'm also always um, a little bit relieved uh, when when they leave um because they're they're both from the midwest and my father-in-law in particular spent a very long time working uh in construction and um yet we don't we don't get to sit down while they're here um you know we get a lot of stuff done but yeah um so that's that's what i have going on right now how about you well, I'm Damien Harmony, uh, and let's see, this week, uh, oh, I actually, I, I was just talking to my daughter right before going up to record, and I told her about a friend of mine's birthday, or not birthday, baby shower that they were having, and oh, okay. then I yeah. purchased the crib that they were asking for, and she's like, wow, do you, do you do that often? And I said, actually, yeah, when I can, I try to take care of the big ticket item that Otherwise, five people would kind of group together and they'd still only pay for half of. I say, if it doesn't affect us and if it benefits them and I can afford it, that's what I try to do. Because typically people go for like yeah, right. two to three hundred dollar crib. And I can I can I can float that I can make that work. Yeah. Uh, so I do. And she asked me, she's like, wow, how how are you just so nice with zero effort? And this is why I was late to recording, because I had to explain to her, oh, honey, mm. it's not without effort. And so I had her stand up and punch me. And when she went to punch me, I slapped her hand away at just the last second, and it knocked her off balance. I said, now, you might think that I did that automatically, but in fact, there were a lot of thoughts that went into that. I said, what you're seeing is the shrunken reaction time of me defending myself. 
And when it comes to me being nice, it's shrunken reaction time from really shitty instincts. So, (laughs) you know, and so I I sat her down to explain. Yeah. Ooh, I'm trying really hard here. Actually, it does not come naturally, but I've shrunk the period of time between, oh, I should probably do something and doing the right thing. Yeah. Over time. So uh, it was an interesting discussion for her. Yeah. Uh, Compassion is a muscle. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And some of us were not raised like, you know, we were raised with bad lifting practices. Yeah. So uh, in in this instance, it's, you know, very much I I had to actively choose to engage those. It's, it's you know, some people always walk up upright. They always walk straight. They're always uh, engaging their core when they're lifting things. I don't mm-hmm. do those things. You know, so it, yeah. this is the the social equivalent of of engaging my core mm-hmm. so now works. speaking of people whose instinct is to uh not be nice to each other due to a myriad of things that have happened <laughs> to them um remember last we spoke we we'd spoken of the andy griffith show and about how people around here like their feuds a lot bloodier so yeah yeah so that's a set you... of that's a set of stereotypes to run with ain't it? yeah yeah. yeah. And uh, and he basically is like, you know, you guys should shoot each other. Right. Um, and then I think I talked to you a bit about the uh, the Lincoln and Logan counties feuds. Right. With the uh, the the Brumfields and the uh, Dinganesses. Oh, yeah. 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 And, the, and the and the other the other families that this that this is not just a Hatfields and McCoys thing. This this right. is something something being in the water. Uh, probably lying. Yeah, probably, um, <laughs> potentially some lead. Um, but yeah, I think I talked about you know, the green yeah. Jones war too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of that. And, and so, so Andy Griffith's off the cuff line about people feeling a certain way about their feuds is really salient. And, and within two generations of popular imagination. And I think about who would be sitting around watching Andy Griffith. It wasn't just young kids. It wasn't just, you know, parents, it was grandparents who lived with their kids too. And there might be some like, what's the word I'm looking for? Collective memory of, of such things in, in the, uh, in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Generational. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Legacy. Legacy yeah. kind of, kind yeah. of, well, you know, Back where back where I came from before we, you know, moved to the city during the mm-hmm. war or, you know, before the war, whatever, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was again, you know, this is stuff from the 1880s usually. Um, and this is the 1960s. But there's just enough stain in the carpet left that you can see uh, that somebody spilled something all over the carpet. That's that's a great analogy. That's, <laughs> that's a lovely metaphor right there. Yeah. So in 1964. The Flintstones had their crack. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> the look on your face. Um, <laughs> because of course they did. Like, I, like, like. I, I don't know what the look was on my face because I watched. I wasn't watching. You know, yeah. my 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 camera. But uh, <laughs> there was just a like, drop in the shoulder and a shake, a slow shake of the head. Like, oh fuck, here we go. Um, yeah, well, because because of course they did, because yeah. everybody else has. Right. And, yeah, and, and it's low hanging fruit at this point. Right. Like, you know, and here's the thing. It shouldn't be low hanging fruit for a cartoon series. 
like <laughs> people fucking died right so many people died so many like that's was, the thing that gets was, me is like there was oh, gunfire ha, ha. and literal murder here right and the flintstones are like yeah yeah let's do that it's just like god damn it <laughs> what's so, what's the saying uh tragedy plus time equals comedy i guess like or just makes it ripe for it like I don't know. It makes me feel like I could dust off my, uh, you know, my Plantagenet death jokes. You know, it's 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 time. You know, so I, I it depends on which Plantagenet. In some cases, I'd tell you too soon. <laughs> Fair. So, all right. <laughs> and, and and in certain parts of England, if it's Richard Richard the Third, just don't just right. don't walk right. away. Yeah. Walk away. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll put that in the parking lot. And uh, nicely done. Thank you. Well done. So Fred inherits an estate, very Buster Keaton of him, right? Yeah. Um, in Arkenrock. Oh, you okay. yabba dabba did that. You, <laughs> oh, you oh. fucking went there, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so now what I, what I find interesting about that, though. Uh-huh. Arkin Rock. Right. I I'm saying that with a straight goddamn face. Arkin Rock <laughs> yeah. presumably is what four states away from Tennis Lake yeah. and uh West, I don't know. I've I've run out of I've run out of rock jokes to make. Right. But like, you know, this this is this is rooted in Appalachia. Right. And and now we're getting Arkansas involved, right? And and I mean this this of course just goes back to what what you kind of already said was that this had become a part of the shorthand for just oh well you know look at those backwoods rural you know right doofuses right and just to give you know. some 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 geographic context here right so Arkansas is part of the Ozarks yes. Um, if I recall correctly, um, I yeah, know you, yeah, 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 you, you definitely have the Mississippi river going through it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the Eastern, um, border. It yeah. does butt up into Tennessee. It does share a border with Tennessee and Missouri. Um, Tennessee and Missouri both share a border with Kentucky, but it's the far Western end of Kentucky. Nowhere near. Yeah, I was going to say, river. yeah. Cause it's, yeah. it's like on the opposite end of that mm -hmm. state. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it would be like, you know, something happened in San Francisco and we're like, all right, Boise. <laughs> like, well, it borders a border it's state, like, but yeah, yeah yes. <laughs> it's but the other no. side of Oregon, which is still you gotta go through there still to get to gotta, Keith, but yeah. But it's okay. geographically roughly like the same amount of compass spread, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So he inherits uh, his estate from Arkenrock uh, because his ancestors, the Gruesomes, um, left it for him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you just went away from the names completely <laughs> like, now. Like, wow. Right. But okay. Not they, even not even trying to not even trying to lampshade. Right. What we're okay. Right. But then they his ancestors had started a feud with another family in 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 uh in that area called the Hat Rocks. It's okay. always one or the other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And I find it interesting that in this case, it's it's indirectly the McCoys mm-hmm. being blamed for the start of the feud mm-hmm. because the the XBs for the Hatfields are mm-hmm. or you know his family started a feud with them. Like, right. Hmm. Right. Devil ants that just walking away scot free one more time again. Like, yeah. It really helps to have more more people survive who then go on to write things. <laughs> yeah, and well, and to have more yeah. money. But yeah. yes, yeah, quite so. Uh, so when Fred shows up to claim it, the Hat Rocks are ready to fight again. And I mean, okay, at this point, do I really need to get any into it? We've seen the Buster Keaton plot. We've seen the cartoons. We've we've seen all this. It it's just there. You go. Okay, but here's a question though. Sure. So many of the other adaptations, mm-hmm. like almost all of them, mm-hmm. uh, have have a Romeo Juliet kind of element to them. This does not. Yeah, I was going to say because yeah. it better not. Because even the Bugs Fred's Bunny a one. married man. Like, <laughs> come on, now. yeah, but he could have had a, a slut cousin kind of thing. Yeah, know, right. yeah. Go after uh, another slut cousin. Or yeah. Something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, but uh, no, didn't have any of that. Um, but uh, I do find it interesting because you, you mentioned that you even had the Romeo and Juliet aspect of it with Bugs Bunny doing it because he dressed in drag mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but OK, so it's 1964. I mean, you know, let's let's look at the historiography, right? There's nothing huge going on socially at all where people's similarities are overwhelming while they fight over their differences. So there you go. Yeah, um, where Arkansas no. is not in the middle of it all. Yeah. You know, yeah, Little Rock like much? Little Rock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it made the papers at one point. Wasn't there like a paratrooper got caught like on the ground or something? I don't remember. There's. Yeah, the 101st Airborne had to be sent in in order to enforce a Supreme Court ruling. So, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... <laughs> let's as as much as it is the shtick in in yeah. this podcast let's let's uh, yeah. not let's let's let's, let's stop the cute let's stop yeah. the cute here and uh <laughs> you know uh yeah this this is this is a i mean th- this is the period in the 60s where like every year mm-hmm. seems like the high water mark of of strife yeah over the civil rights of of non-white americans oh yeah like it's 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 bad um it's it's really bad there's there's a lot of murders going on yeah um you know i i'm trying to remember when certain people got shot um but yeah it's uh it's it's not 1964 is certainly not what I would say. I would say, you know, Johnson does sign the historic civil rights movement um, or the civil rights uh, act act. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he does In sign 64. that. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, now, he does that partly because he he wraps himself in the shroud of Kennedy's martyrdom. And yeah. then he actually enacts the civil rights legislation that he wanted to pass forever he claimed mm-hmm. um so that he would have a lasting legacy so mm-hmm. doing the right thing for really Lyndon Johnson kind of reasons. reasons yeah yeah but you know you, you've got a lot going on a lot going on um now in 1968 we're going to fast forward a little bit Mary Melodies does it again 
with something called Feud with a Dude. Um, and this time it's uh, Merlin the Magic Mouse. Uh, so it's not Bugs Bunny at all. It's Merlin the Magic Mouse. And I had to watch this cartoon. Uh, he and his assistant, whose name was Second Banana, uh, are flying their magic carpet over the Ozark mountain range. Again, we're nowhere near where the feud actually happened. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. the focus on the Ozarks is really interesting to me, though. It's migrated quite a bit. Like, the, yeah. the shorthand has migrated. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if that's because of the zitgeist looking to that part of the south more maybe because of headlines i i'm thinking so i i genuinely i think because there was a lot more going on in the ozarks re-civil rights and re-civil strife okay but still they're not like again it's interesting that they're marrying if that's happening it's interesting Mm -hmm. that they're marrying that area with the hatfield mccoy feud um, because they absolutely are because the reason that they so they're flying over the Ozarks they get shot down because the Hatfields and McCoys started their morning routine of shooting at each other and feuding the morning routine right right yeah so you've talked about threshold of violence in the past yeah <laughs> when your morning this, this routine... isn't even this isn't even a threshold this no. is this is violence is the wallpaper Like this is literally subliminal. Yeah. You know, Uh, so uh, when they land, both sides insist that both uh, Merlin, the magic mouse and second banana pick a side um, and they get threatened with being shot. If they don't, Uh, Merlin tries to get the bottom of why they're feuding. And both sides claim that the feud is due to each family stealing the other's animals. So. Again, you're tying the hog the the hog trial in because I think that's shorthand for look at these rubes fighting over animals. I think that's shorthand for look how backward these people are. It's interesting that that shorthand has migrated down to a different mountain range entirely. Yeah. So, by the way, the Hatfields hen and the McCoys pig are the animals in question. Okay. So they each stole one of each other's. Uh, Merlin then uses his magic hat and he produces both animals, uh, which of course doesn't solve anything. And in fact, it earns the hatred of both clans because now it looks like Merlin started the feud. Look how stupid these people are. Yeah. Okay. So it's 1968 and, and there's just a lot of like, and I, I keep thinking about like, what, what is it about that area? And I'm like, okay, the rust belt isn't quite there. Um, no. But at the same time, I don't think most Americans could point out the Rust Belt on a map. Like, and that's the thing is, it's no, just fully like, agreed. Like, it's like a 13 year old understanding the female re- reproductive system. I don't know. It's somewhere there near the belly button, something, something. You know? Do yeah. I get to touch boobs? Yeah. That's what counts. You know, it's like yeah. that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, vague understanding of, of the area. Uh, so anyway, there's lots of stat slapstick, lots of uh, running around. Lots of making these two rubes look like they're dumb. And then Merlin and Second Banana, of course, escape. And what's fun is that this is 1968. 
So the footage of them escaping is actual NASA footage of a rocket taking off. Okay. And then the feud, the the, the feuding clans go back to fighting each other. Okay. Um, and again, I just, I get a kick out of the fact that like, you know, look at these, look at these, these rubes, look at these mm. idiots. And now we're going to, um, you know, now we're going to uh, we're going to escape using superior technology. Mm. It just it strikes me funny. It strikes me very funny. By the way, there is some uh, overlap with I did mention Rust Belt. There is some overlap with Rust Belt and coal mining territory for people who are wondering. Uh, the Rust Belt, though, is essentially like the the Northwest Territory of eighteen uh, or of seventeen eighty seven. <laughs> like yeah, Ohio, Indiana. Yeah, uh, yeah, gets up to Buffalo. I mean, it's all the yeah. places that made cars and shit for cars, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, stretched out to Illinois in certain spots, but you know, the the bottom half of the hand of Michigan. Um, but you know, again, I don't know that most people would have been able to approximate it there. Mm-mm. They would have maybe confused it with Bible Belt or the Sun Belt or whatnot. But yeah, interestingly enough, the only reason I know anything mm-hmm. about the location of the Rust Belt is because of. Uh, it being referenced in source books for Vampire the Masquerade. Oh wow! Like as a as a region, the only reason I know where it's located is okay. because it that was a big part of the uh, urban decay background kind of kind of uh, setting for like the default mm-hmm. uh, in in Vampire the Masquerade. Back in 1991. Oh, wow. Okay. 1992. So, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, and again, it's 1968. So there's nothing going on that has people thinking that there's no way they can ever <laughs> reconcile with anyone else in the world, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Nothing in the public consciousness yeah, where people are beginning right. to be brand loyalists rather than looking at policy and practice and holding up ideals and principles over being on a winning side. There's nobody who says power is the ultimate aphrodisiac, advising a president to lie to the people <laughs> about bombing other places and people attacking Hish-tosh. protesters. You know, nothing like that. There's all this all this sarcasm is unbecoming. Of course. No, <laughs> nothing like that was no. I don't I don't know why I don't know why you're using that tone of voice. Such right. such, no. such sarcasm. Come come now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Nineteen by nineteen sixty eight. I I almost want to say that like we've talked about how how shitty the decade how shitty the decade of the seventies was for mm-hmm. like everybody. Mm-hmm. Um. And and I almost feel like when we talk about the seventies, the seventies didn't start in nineteen seventy. Oh no, decades are never like, cut and dry. Like, like if you really want 68, to say, yeah, you know, yeah, getting getting. <laughs> Getting MLK and RFK killed within months of each other. Yeah. You know, by the way, that's, that's like the opening. And, and I yeah. hate to use this language. I really don't mean for it to be a pun, but that really is the opening salvo of the seventies right there. Yeah. Well, that plus the Manson murders, like you really, Oh, and Altamont. Fuck, like you that, just oh my God. That thing. was all. It's all within two years. Holy shit. Should I throw in Kent state so we can just fill up my hand? Just, like, just, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just, or just several out other colleges where they shot several black protesters Ugh. um and killed them. Um, so but you know, those things didn't capture the zeitgeist at the time. That's why I went to Kent State. Um, 
in terms of, you know, things to reference. There's the yeah. picture of that young lady uh, who, as it turns out, was a 13-year-old runaway. Well, she th I thought she was 14, but okay. yes, but yeah. but who was who was not a college student, who right. was a literal child. Yes. Yeah. So, um, which honestly, at that age, would have qualified her for being a uh, traveling band groupie for any number of musicians in the 70s. Oh, man. It was Just, a dark fucking time. It was it's, awful. It's like, keep on coming. Like when yeah, Hubert Humphrey is, is yelling at protesters for getting beaten by cops in Chicago as it's happening uh, and expecting yeah. to win. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and thinking then, like, and America's best option is Nixon, apparently, according to enough of them. Like, it just, yeah. it is a yeah. dark, dark time. So. Anyway, there's multiple shows that have now osmosisized uh, the feuds to the Ozark region, like we said. Um, it it almost feels like the further we get from the feud, the more generalized the air location becomes. Um, and that yeah. brings me to 1975, a movie that I really wish I hadn't watched. Um, <laughs> yeah, that not good, for the huh? same reason as certain other movies that I've watched where I'm like, why? Why did I do that? But this one was, uh, oh, oh boy. Um, in 1975, Clyde Ware directed Jack Palance, Richard Hatch, and Steve Forrest in The Hatfields and McCoys, a made-for-TV movie for ABC's Movie of the Week in January. Okay. It is what it says on the box. It's, it's Hatfields and McCoys. It's a retelling of the tale. And there's lots of 1970s attempts at folk music, it's overly produced and yet still badly done fully. Uh, the narration starts uh, starts off with the credits, um, you know, where they tell you about the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's very sympathetic to the Hatfields. And it shows Devil Ants Hatfield, uh, as played by Jack Palance, um, and Harmon and Randolph McCoy finding him. Uh, and the McCoys are still both in Union uniforms, which is funny because Randall wasn't in the union no and he didn't ride Randall. around with his brother Harmon. wait a minute mm -hmm. um randall was born randall wasn't was randall even old enough to fight during during the actual war oh yeah randall ended up in a prison camp at one point okay yeah yeah randall right. randall was was if I recall correctly, and I, I would just have to scroll up some to find it. Oh, but, sorry. Um, I'm I'm confusing. I'm confusing participants. Never mind. Yeah. Randall, okay. Randall, yeah. Randall McCoy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, My bad. That's okay. So anyway. they find him. They're still in uniform, despite only Asa Harmon being in uniform at one point, And that was in 1863. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, and again, they happen upon Devil Ants hunting. Um, Ants and Ellison Hatfield are wearing plain clothes because they have both quit the war earlier, which there is some truth to that. Uh, I don't remember okay. Ellison being in the army, but okay. Um, they talk for a while uh, with really tortured accents. Like, I don't know if accent coaches came around later or if <laughs> nobody could teach Jack Palance anything back then. I don't know. Um but it's bad. And and they talk about, yeah. Can you tell what kind of accent they're trying to approximate? 
vaguely southern. Yeah, okay. It would be like um just just the very fact that that's it. Yeah. yeah. Is is like three red flags on its own. Yeah. Cuz because somebody from Georgia has a very noticeably different mm-hmm. accent than somebody from say West Virginia. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there you go. Uh, so they they're talking in in these uh, accents uh, about how Devil Ants could have killed Harmon just now, uh, but he shot him in the hip. No, not just now, like uh, during the war, but he okay. shot him in the hip instead. Um, which, last I checked, getting shot in the hip is close to a death sentence most of the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, if um... it wings you, okay, cool. Like I get it, like grazes you, but like. You get shot in the pelvis. So, so there, uh, a lot of gut that, that is, that is such an anachronistic mm-hmm. insert because the thing is at the time period with a rifled musket ball mm-hmm. being shot in the hip would at the very least guarantee you were going to lose a leg. Yeah. Um, the likelihood would actually be you're, you're a dead man, not walking. Right. Um, because, (laughs) because, yeah, because they were shooting like 68 caliber soft lead bullets that would hit you in the hip, hit a bone, probably fragment. And those pieces are going to go in three different directions. Mm Mm-hmm. And everywhere they tumble, they're going to rip shit apart. Exactly. So, yeah, Yeah. like that is that that is the kind of talk that somebody who maybe saw combat in World War II or Vietnam. Right. Where where round velocities were immensely higher. Sure. And, and, you know, the, the idea of a through and through bullet wound yeah, was a thing, which like didn't happen in the civil war or didn't happen nearly as often in the civil war. It certainly war. happens less often in your hip. You've got your biggest yeah. bone, the densest yeah. bone, um, maybe not the <laughs> densest, but like the, the, the greatest surface area bone. Yeah. Plus a bunch of gut and muscle. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's, that's your bye-bye. Right. So yeah, he's he's he tells him yeah well you know shot you in the hip so, uh and so there's kind of a uh, oh let's let's not let's not start a fight here fellas and the Hatfields give their deer that they killed to Harmon and to Randolph, uh, Harmon can't let go and he nearly shoots ants but Randolph calms him down, and he's the voice of reason. So that's how we're starting, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but, but either one of the patriarchs of either one of these two families being the voice of reason. Right. It's like, no. Okay, yeah. but carry on. So. Yeah. So then we skip ahead 15 years, like you do. Okay. Um, which, again, if you look at when the feud starts, when do you want to start it, right? We, we talked yeah. about that before. So it skips ahead 15 years, and the narrator comes back, and he says, quote, Hatred cools slowly across the land. It was the same with the Hatfields and the McCoys. Devil Ants and his family prospered in the hill country. Um, so now Ellison has aged quite a bit, and he has Cotton Top with him. 
And he admits that the hog isn't quite a Hatfield hog that he found, but he found it in their territory. Ellison doesn't seem to mind stealing in this episode or in this uh, particular iteration. Um, and he even after Ants warns him that the McCoys will be at the hoedown, that they're taking the hog too. And John C. mentioned that Ants owns half of Mingo County too. Um, John C. doubts allowed what his father did to get the land. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Yeah. Um, you, so got, then, you got some things right. Mm -hmm. So then okay. there's a hoedown. Uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys all seem to be enjoying the hoedown. But it is so painfully 1970s production that it hurts. Like, you see a couple tables. It's clearly like a small stage and they keep all the action like kind of tightly wound. It honestly looks like an SNL stage. Um, and while the glasses aren't those stupid colored plastic glasses that are like brown or gold colored that you would get as the free water glasses, they're only a step above that. Um, and, and same thing with the tables. They, they're not, they're clearly not the tables that you would see in a wrestling match. Um, but they're only a step above that. And I, I'm pretty sure it's the probably plastic, uh, you know, checkerboard, red and white. Oh, yeah. Tablecloth. You know? Yeah. Like, I ne never mind. Plastic, maybe ne cloth. Never mind that historically, mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to look up whether they would have even had tablecloths. Sure. At, at an event like that. Or if they would have had a hoedown. Yeah. You know? That one might be a little bit more more plausible. Sure. Sure. Some but also, of, you know, but we have a vague under you know, we we have a vague mythical pseudo past understanding of things. Yeah. This kind of fits with that, you know? Yeah. Oh, in a big so, way. Yeah. Yeah. So they're at the hoedown. And we see John C. and Rosanna's romance blooming there. And then somebody brings out the pig. The, I think a couple of the Hatfield boys bring out the pig to much fanfare. Um, and Ellison makes a toast to the women and to Levisy especially, which is Devil Ants' wife. Um, he then makes a toast to Ants for donating the hogs. Mm -hmm. okay. Which leads to Cotton Top bragging about the other ones that are cooking out back. Like, oh, we got some real special ones out back. And then the slicing of the hog is given great fanfare. And the first slice is given to Rannell. And it absolutely okay. has the ear, which is notched his way that he will notice. So is this, is this characterized as an intentional thing? Yes. Very intentional. Stupid like, boys like... doing stupid shit. But they're not boys. They're definitely adults. They're they're, they're grown not ass adults. men. Yeah, they're yeah. not even adults pretending to be teenagers. They're grown ass yeah. men. And right. This is what they're doing. Um, meanwhile, Alifair, Nancy, and Rosanna, all three are apparently the same age, and they're all oogling the men or ogling the uh, the Hatfield men. Um, but the exposition then comes back in and says how Harmon was killed after the war, and so on and so forth. Uh, we we see the burgeoning romance between Rosanna and Johnsy, like I said, and then okay. back inside, a McCoy son points out that the notches on the pig's ear look very similar, and how much of a deliberate insult it's been. And of course, a fight at the hoedown ensues. The hoedown turns throwdown. Um, Ants and Rannell are the <laughs> why 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 has the WWE <laughs> never done that? 
Oh, I think that well, they had a pick slot match. They did have a pick slot match, and they did have a bunkhouse brawl. But throw down at the hoedown, like come on, yeah, that would have been much more of a WCW thing. To be honest, okay, good point. That's true. Yeah, but still, yeah, Yeah. I feel I feel like this was a missed opportunity. I agree. I agree. Okay, so when Ants and Randall separate everybody, and then it comes out right. So. So Ants and Randall are still the voices of reason. They're still trying to cool heads. But at the same time, you just, I've had too much and I can't take no more kind of thing. And and then Randall lets loose, uh, responding actually to Wall, Uncle Wall, like uh, Devil Ants' brother. Yeah. He says, I've let it lay, Wall, all these years. There was no, there were no, there were, (laughs) there were no proof of Harmon. Them as McCoy notches. Um. So, so I, I couldn't find any proof that y'all are shitty about killing my brother, but I know pig notches when I see them. And now is this kind of the chronology of what actually happened? Yes. Harmon gets killed another 15 years go by before you have the hog trial and the hog trial is absolutely about ear notches. Um, Ellison then goes and doubles down while Ants is looking chagrined, right? And then Rannell proclaims that the law will look at the ear, the hog's ears, and that he would have gladly given the hogs, uh, you know, for this thing, but he will not be made a fool of. And then he leaves. So it's really pushing the idea of honor over a pig. And and I just want to point out like how rubbish that seems, how God, these people are so backward. Like in the ABC made for TV Monday night movie. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And and by this time, mm-hmm. important to to note that all of the production of all of this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this has been the case for a while, but but I feel like now that this is a this is an ABC television movie. Mm-hmm. Movie of the week. Movie of the week. Yeah. Um, this is all being filmed in Burbank, yes, California, yeah, by a bunch of people written by a bunch of people who have been in Hollywood a long time. Yep. Uh, produced like this, this is, this is a 100%, you know, California dream factory, you know, yes. production you kind of expect the Gorn to be fighting Kirk in the same kind of, valley. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and like, you know, Apollo is, is one of the, one of, one of the main actors involved here. Yeah. Um, And there is such a remarkable level of disconnect mm-hmm. and they are treating it as 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 like shakespeare only without the respect they would give to shakespeare right they're they're treating it as yeah they're they're treating it as this this melodrama with overtones of uh antiqueness antiquity Mm -hmm. and 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 by this time the what you're saying about the look at these people look at what rubes these people are Mm -hmm. i don't think it's even so conscious as man these people are a bunch of rubes it's well you know this is the 18 
seventies, eighteen eighties in Appalachia, and this is just how those people were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it's become a knee jerk set of biases. Yeah, it it is the most shorthand that shorthand gets. It's you know what yeah. it feels like. It feels like the the current rules for filibuster. All you got to do is say filibuster. Yeah, you don't even have to filibuster. You don't even have to. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So overall, the history is quite messed about in this thing. One could reasonably actually say that this is not the Hatfields and McCoys, but inspired by true events. Like, yeah, that's as far as it could get. In they, this one, Rosanna is brought back by the McCoys, who show up armed at the Hatfield home. Boy, that's a reversal, ain't it? Yeah. Um, Ellison <laughs> is fatally shot in Kentucky after a brawl, which, okay, that is yeah, yeah, right. how it happened. Yeah. Um, although I was pretty sure he got killed in West Virginia, or no, he got brought back to die in West Virginia. Um, yeah, they carried him. Yeah, no, no, the 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 crime happened in West Virginia. Come to think of it, because that was the yeah. crux of the argument, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And oh my god, the neckerchief per capita is too much to bear in this fucking movie. It, <laughs> oh, so anyway, McCoy tells the Hatfields to leave. Uh, Ants sits vigil over Ellison, who's dying in his bed, and totally revises the history of what we actually seen in the movie so far, talking about how peaceful and kindly Ellison has been. It's like, no, you've had him as the main like troublemaking antagonist. Uh, the one poking the bear and then getting his hand bit. So the McCoy boys get brought to Pikeville or they're being brought to Pikeville and Randall trusts in the law, telling his remaining sons to chill the fuck out about it, like that the law will take care of it. And uh, actually his pants, just so you know, are just about up to his ribs. Um, The costumes I fucking hate in this whole thing. Um, anyway, Ants comes by with guns. everything. Let's I, Oh my God, this movie. Oh, <laughs> The McCoy boys are, uh, yeah, are are seized by ants uh, with with the guns. Uh, the murder is done off screen, and we find the McCoy sons at the same time that Randall and his other sons do. Uh, the McCoys go and attack the Hatfield, shooting up their house and starting a fire in their house. Uh, none of that happened. Um, and then the McCoys go. Oh, I said that. And and then as John C is leaving. Rosanna is dressed up like a man and has her gun trained on him, but then she lets him leave. And he goes and gets wall and cotton top. And so many folks from Mingo County uh, show up to rout the McCoys from attacking the Hatfields in their house. So what you're saying is this script was written by a Hatfield descendant. I'm saying this script was written by somebody on a cocaine bender uh, who who basically okay. wanted to. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but nobody edited it. It's just like, you know, kind of like, oh, and then we'll throw some extra drama in there. We'll have her dress up like a man and then have him dead to rights, but then let him go. I'm like, it worked when it was in G.I. Joe because that was a cartoon 10 years later. Um, It doesn't work here. It doesn't, you know? doesn't work here. So. Yeah. This is 75. This is made 75. So as you were venting about yes. what, a, what a horrible cinematic experience this whole thing was. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I, I looked up cause it occurred to me, um, deliverance 
mm-hmm. came out in 1972. Yeah. Now that's set in Georgia, so it's totally different. Totally. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> and and do you think the success of Deliverance was part of what led network executives to think three years later to to even have this story show up like in the back of their head as something to do a movie about i want you to put a pin in that question because when i'm done summarizing the movie for you i'm going to talk about what led to the studio heads choosing this property okay so think about that you think about your question um (laughs) okay i will so uh randall mccoy then arrests everyone uh, having a badge from kentucky uh, and then they hang Cottontop, uh, this time with no trial first. And now the Hatfields are on the defensive. Like, um, and, and then Randall arrests Wall, who dies in jail. And then, quote, the young men of the clans fought constantly. Knives, guns, and even dynamite were their weapons. What? Like, uh... now, what they're doing is they're grabbing, okay, um, that one brother of Nancy's did stab the postman to death. They all did shoot at each other. And at the battle of grapevine Creek, there was dynamite thrown. Okay. But, but they are taking those details and writing them large. It would be like, if I talked about D day and, you know, D day and, and America, the allies against the Axis and the Americans uh, fought against kamikazes. Um, and they stormed beaches and, uh, they liberated towns. Like those things are all three true. Not that they didn't all happen at D-Day. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're, it, you're, you're conflating some things there. It my friend. feels like yeah. a Trump speech about the American revolution, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Holding the airports. Right. Which I think he wanted to say ramparts, but he doesn't know what a rampart is. So he figured it was an airport and yeah. Yeah, you'd think a man I, with I, that much Adderall in his system allegedly <laughs> uh, would be able to focus. But. Yeah, well, see, the Adderall can't completely overcome the whatever form of dementia it is he's been developing allegedly. for the last. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We have permanency Alleg- in our in our respective districts. Does not <laughs> mean <laughs> what we say is not actionable. Uh, yeah, okay. Fair. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. So. The whole thing is compressed and stripped down uh, just so it can serve as this narrative. Uh, and then here's more. While Devil Ants went up to the grapevine cabin to think of a solution, his son Cap took matters into his own hands. And the next time the McCoys crossed the tug, Cap and the Hatfield clan were ready. No. Um, is this is this like, are you trying to make this sound biblical somehow? Like, I think there's something well, there. I, mean, I Again, I think it's the laziest writing I've seen. And I... I covered Boy, the Flintstones. Something. Yeah, I was going to say that's saying something. You so, covered Betty Boop. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on now. Um, so the McCoy's plan uh, was to entice the Hatfields to Kentucky soil, and it already and they had already gone to the governor in this movie. Devil Lance's family came up to, 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 to see Devil Lance at the Grapevine Cabin, and this is the first time that I hear fr- of Frank Phillips at all. Quote, even some fancy man from Texas, the Brung, the Brung wearing two pearl handled pistols. Um, and it's 
it's at this point where the narrator actually reveals himself as T.C. Crawford of the New York world. And now I'm going to hit pause to show you these pictures. So in the chat, you'll see two pictures. The first one is actually the historical picture of the Hatfield clan. You can see Devil Ants right there in the center. Um, and you see, what do you notice about almost every man in that picture? Oh, hold on. Got to enlarge it here. Oh, sure. Uh, well, um, I mean, I can make it a familial resemblance. Okay. Like looking at the shape of their faces. Okay. But more generally, um, what, what is see? every man in that picture doing? Well, it's, they're all armed. Yes. Deliberately every, showing every off their weapons. Every single one of them. Yes. Yeah. Now, there's two boys yes. sitting down there who aren't weaponed. Um, and yeah. if you look in the background, I believe that's Levisi. Um, and yeah. then back behind okay. her is one of the Hatfield daughters. Uh, and okay. then in this next picture, this is taken straight from... I screen capped it. I think I actually. Uh, yeah, I can. I can see the. I can yeah. see the line down at the bottom there. Um, oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! What? Who is that? <laughs> oh, is that is that Richard Hatch in in the back rank there with the gray hat on? Yes. Yeah. And then next he, to him, he, do you yeah. recognize the guy next to him? Not, it's okay if you don't. No, I don't. Okay, that is uh, Robert Carradine. Fuck you. Nope. Dead serious. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds star, Robert Carey. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Okay. And Devil Ants is Jack Palance with a real Jack shitty Palance beard. Palance with a bad beard. Yeah. yeah. But you do so, see how this is framed very similarly, right? You yeah, oh, two yeah. Two women behind him. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. They were very faithful to that. And I was like, they, oh, cool. They, it's the uh, only thing. They, they, they were very faithful to that. But um, Richard Hatch. The, the the jacket he's wearing is is not period accurate like at no at all it looks like at all it looks like hey richard you got a jacket yeah i've got a leisure suit that's being washed and hands are so i'll bring in the jacket yeah pretty much yeah it's <laughs> that's so that's that's a that's practically that's almost a blazer mm -hmm. like yeah what, what the fuck right a it's a sport coat oh my god <laughs> yeah. yeah that that just screams Mm -hmm. low production values like it really does good god almighty okay so yeah the narrator reveals himself mm. he's tc crawford of the new york world uh the reporters were mostly in kentucky by the way in reality uh interviewing okay. folks in pikeville more than anything uh however there is a great scene where the reporter takes the picture that is clearly as you can see patterned after the actual photograph of the hatfields that a traveling reporter did actually go up there and take sometime in the 1880s. Oh, wow. Okay. So while the feud was happening, this is true. And this photo did get taken by a traveling reporter. Like all of that is true. But like realistically, most of your reporting happens in Kentucky. And some of it is, is due to the fact that Perry Klein is running things. They have the governor on their side over there. Um, they can be found um, there's there's several <laughs> several things they're not, they're not actively in hiding yeah right. that, that that would tend to make that a lot easier yeah, yeah you know um also uh they are the aggrieved party in this feud very much so yeah and there's a layer of like you know it's it's suffering porn 
and let's oh, yeah. let's laugh at these people for the way they talk in Kentucky. Um, also, we can't find the ones in West Virginia. So, yeah, anyway. or we'd be laughing at them too. Right. So the story continues where both Randall and De- Devil Ants are hunting each other alone. Like, it's like, okay, I think I get what you're trying to do, but what the fuck? Complete with natural dangers like bears and rattlesnakes to add to the to the heightened tension of their feud. So they're hunting each other and trying to avoid rattlesnakes, rattlesnakes and bears. Um, and they start shooting at each other close enough to yell each other's uh, uh, yell each other uh, film familiarities. Right. Um, they play cat and mouse for a while. Ants get win- gets winged in the gut and Randall gets winged in the shoulder. Um, and again, they're solitary. They're hunting each other through the wilderness. They each hit the other in the leg. And so now they've both taken two bullets from each other. We are so far from what actually happened at this point. And then they have both of, they both have each other dead to rights at the end. And there's a grim stare down until they both notice a deer. And then that breaks it. And you hear, last time I made the shot from from Devil Ants. And then Randall, I recollect. I reckon I lost my taste for it. I still got a few hogs left. And then neither shoots the deer. And the cheerful music starts up. And the two wounded men walk off into the woods while the the deer runs off. And that's fucking it. That's the end of the movie. And then you hear a quote. Or you hear the narrator, and that was the end to it. Devil Ants and Randall went into the woods alone. And when they came out, a war between the Hatfields and the McCoys was finished. Roll credits, and they separate, walking their own separate ways. So... You look like you're when, about to sneeze, or you're really confused. One of the I, two. Well, I, I am, yeah. but I'm, I'm also... Something occurs to me. This is 75 hmm And 75 Fall of Saigon? Yeah, that happened. Was this well, well this was okay. in January. So okay. Fall of Saigon, I want so to say it was April. Fall of Saigon, yeah, it's later. Yeah. But by this time, we had basic we had walked away from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm going to argue, this is that. On some levels. I, I would say that there's a little bit more to it. Um, now, at this time, ABC was tanking in the ratings with this uh, ABC movie of the week. Okay. Um, this particular iteration was just dog shit okay. in the ratings. It felt more like they were just finishing their contracts than anything okay. else. And let's go off and into, you know, the, the, whatchamacallit in the Fernando Valley, uh, Mm -hmm. San Fernando Valley and just film shit. Let's just throw out a script. Uh, you know, this will get Jack Palance, his, his third thing that he has to do with us, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I think that's the answer to your question about why did they, you know, think this is worthwhile? I don't think they did. I think they did it to get it off their books. I think it was okay. Now we have completed this contract because if you look at the other movie of the weeks, they were yeah. all dog shit as well. But many of them were intellectual properties that these people would have had to pay out for. The Hatfields and the McCoys are not an intellectual property you have to pay out for. 
So it's cheaper production uh, there too. Okay. All right. Now this, uh, uh, part of me wonders that this is the age of Gerald Ford, right? And there's not an overwhelming desire on the part of former brand loyalists to just get back to business and let bygones be bygones either. Ford had pardoned Nixon in September of 74. Okay. And I think that plays into this too. So even though it was considered quite divisive and incredibly frustrating and a huge blow to Ford's chances at president in the 76 election, um, for instance, his popularity dropped from 71 to 50% very quickly after that amongst Republicans. Okay. Yeah. But that is still kind of my point. It was still at 50%. Yeah. That means there were plenty who wanted to just kind of let it pass and move on. And Ford, of course, being one of them. Um, now, I don't know which way Martin Starger and Fred Silverman voted, but looking at the programming that both of them presided over, they were the presidents of ABC during this time, they both wanted to make money off of the kind of programming that Ford fans would enjoy. Uh, Starger oversaw the creation of Happy Days, nostalgia-based programming that started in 74. Uh, right, right. On, only later did it get into like progressive politics and actually addressing the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Silverman, uh, had been responsible for Perry Mason, Matlock, Father Dowling Mysteries, Diagnosis Murder, basically all old people solving crimes. Yeah. Um, which interesting. I kind of I don't want to have to write that podcast because I'll have <laughs> to watch those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. he also pioneered something called Jiggle TV. <laughs> so he's got old people solving you know, crimes. I might, I might, I might sign up to handle that <laughs> podcast. I'll just you do that right here. You like, do that. You you, know. you enjoy early eighties tits. <laughs> like have fun. I don't need it. Okay. Yeah. So that was that movie. <laughs> um, wow. in 1977. We have to return back to animation because the oh, Scooby-Doo no. Dynamut Hour had its oh, own take on the Hatfields and the McCoys. me, Hanna-Barbera. Why do you hurt us oh. like this again? They had an episode called the Ozark Witch Switch. Ugh. Yeah. Um, now, I could not okay. find the whole cartoon. I okay. could find chunks of it here and there. And so I was able to piece it together as best I could. Okay. They appear to be going through the Ozarks in the Mystery Machine, uh, and then they stay the night at Ma and Pa Hatfields. And then they run into a woman who's pretending to be Witch McCoy, who's trying to scare people off so that she can, of course, get the treasure. And it would right. have worked, too, if it weren't for those pesky kids who used flour to pretend to be the ghosts of the Hatfields who've returned from the past to turn Witch McCoy into a frog like you do. And she fell for it. Well, yeah. Like the 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 one person who's scared the most of of like spirits and shit is the one pretending to be one. You see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, interestingly, Shaggy has shoes on, but none of the others do when they when they flower up to be uh, Hatfield ghosts. Um, but there are lots of overalls, flopped up front bill of the hat, and using rope as belts. Of all of them to have shoes on, Shaggy. Right. Huh. I know. All right, weird. It's a yeah. weird choice. All right. Yeah. The locals all say we 
um, which is actually period accurate. <laughs> um, mm. And they use, uh, I, I had to write this down. It's a fur piece back in the woods. So honestly they're trying to be more authentic than the jack palance movie yeah it's yeah remarkably <laughs> enough um the, the the dialect there is is less less bad than it sounds right. like the the movie of the week was yeah now did i mention that the witch had a cave you did not now remember Harmon did hide out in a cave yeah so caves yeah, are I remember a thing. That. okay yeah and did caves i mention that they had to cross a river to get to the witch's cave so okay all right you got 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 your landmarks yeah they got some details involved there all right and of course local ex-con zeke harkins pretends to be a zombie who was competing with the witch mccoy who was really just aggie wilkins zeke's old girlfriend um this is the century mark since the feud zeke which is short for ezekiel obviously yeah and although If there was anybody named Ezekiel from the Hatfield McCoy fan uh, families, you know his, his nickname would have been like Good Leal or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have been Zeke. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's another okay. covering of it. You know, a mention right. again, it is it's a hundred years hence, and it is the lowest hanging fruit. Now, then in November of 1979, Family Feud, the television show with Richard Dawkins had a five day special where the modern families of Hatfield and McCoy dressed up like their ancestors and played family feud. For real? Yes, for real. I watched all of it. I could find that one. I couldn't find Scooby-Doo. I could find that one. I I found four parts of Scooby-Doo and I was able to piece it together, but so uh, Uncle Bo on the McCoy side had a long beard too, and they had Confederate dressed mannequins near them on the set, as well as the pig that the Winter family would get to leave with. Yes, I'm serious. All of these people are haunted now. Right? Like 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 their ancestors came back and are giving them shit now. Mm-hmm. Now because ah guess, <laughs> guess what regalia was on the Hatfield side of things. Mannequins dressed sure. like union soldiers. What? What? <laughs> you Yeah. Okay, no. You don't get you don't get to appropriate unionism you no fuck you no <laughs> god damn it no. mm. yeah. so at one point uh richard dawkins or it's not dawkins i'm sorry that would be really funny was, if he was running was like <laughs> that that richard name dawson. dawson his name is richard yeah. dawson dawson yeah okay his richard his name is richard dawson He's buried in my garden. Dawson. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, So Richard Dawson, I'm sorry. At one point, Richard Dawson said, quote, apart from the money involved, you're going to walk through the hills of Virginia. And then they interrupted him immediately to correct him that it's West Virginia. And they're taking all the umbrage. And he responds with, quote, well, wherever the hell you people walk with your head held high and that pig on the leash, that's the thing. (laughs) 
like haunted. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Now the whole thing is pretty convivial. They actually shake hands and they applaud each other because it's been a hundred years and like a lot of shits happened. I mean, shit, the last time we saw Hatfields dying, it was at the at the hands or the neglect of other Hatfields, you know? Like so pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Now when they buzz in, it's the sound of a rifle shot and a ricochet. <laughs> so uh, Dawson is shameless as he kisses the shit out of the female members on both families, per the usual. Um, the McCoys, they won the feud. They got the pig and the trophy uh, and $11,000. And Richard Dawson got to feel up most of the family's women. Um, All right. Yeah. Now, when he goes to hand the trophies out to the winning family, the Hatfields pick up their guns and everyone starts shooting at each other. Right. Yeah. I right. swear to God, yeah. ABC bought the rights to the feud. <clears throat> like, because at this point, almost all the representation has been on ABC. Yeah. And then we see nothing until October of 2001. Nothing at all. Cartoon Network's Time Squad episode, Feud for Thought. Now, this is October 2001. Okay. This is after the Dana Carvey, Carvey movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I presume mm -hmm. since it's October mm -hmm. and we're talking about animation, production would have had to have started before September 11th. Likely so. I mean, they usually tend you know. to record cartoons in batches, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But you still, I mean, they still released it. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, it uh, it's it's called uh, Time Squad, <clears throat> and it's Feud for Thought. And it's a cartoon where a dysfunctional team of time guardians goes through time to fix the deviations in history. So before we saw Loki, we saw this. Quote, they were hillbillies from West Virginia, is how it's described. Uh, and they have to get the families to start feuding. Now, mind you, this has come out just a month and a half after The Glass House with Diane Lane Lily Sobieski and Bruce Dern. So the country was pretty traumatized. Okay, right. Yeah. And again, it's it's about a uh what a month after they finished up filming The Master of Disguise uh with yeah. Dana Carvey. So uh it's a dark time. Um so it's quite a thing to have a cartoon trying to get two groups of people fighting each other so shortly after The Glass House came out. Um yeah. Yeah. That's kind of insensitive. Yeah. I tend to say. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah. not like they were responsible <clears throat> for mm -hmm. this movie, but like, you know, show, you still show have a little respect for everybody. Yeah. 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 You know, too soon is yeah. too soon. Yeah. How it goes. So the squad shows up and immediately falls into the wallow on the Hatfield side of the river and the Hatfield shout that the McCoys are trying to steal their pigs. Interesting. Um, once again, the two family homes uh, are across the river, each one on top of a mountain. There's lots of gunfire. Mm. And the Hatfields and the McCoys are, as you'd expect, buck toothed, many flopping hats, long beards, missing shoes. The McCoys are actually really friendly, though. Uh, Wien's just setting down to eat a steaming plate of possum. So. Right. And then right. William Hatfield bangs on the door, uh, demanding that they open it up, accusing the McCoys of stealing his best pig. 
which again, okay. If your yeah, whole thing somebody, is going back in time, it's weird yeah. that you're getting this inversion this going part on. wrong. Yeah. Uh, the Hatfields are the redheads this time uh, and very much the bullies. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's, uh, that's at least accurate. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. You know. Um, and then he starts taking everything he can carry, including a paddle ball game from the baby McCoy. Uh, and then quote, Hey kids, we're having McCoy's dinner for dinner. And then he steals their horse and buggy. Uh, the McCoys don't stick up for themselves is really the problem. And so the time squad takes them through a role-playing situation where they teach them how to be assertive and it works. And it causes the Hatfields to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And then they hug it out and say friends for life. Um, so the plan backfired like they they got them to be assertive and they stopped the shitty behavior uh so now the time squad needs to get them fighting in a different way uh so they uh, accuse them of having weapons of masses no wait sorry no, that's a different fictional thing that happened um they graffitied each other's houses uh in the name of the other so the time squad basically goes and you know hatfield suck uh love the mccoys and mccoys suck love the hatfields they they do that you know, they frame them. Um, okay. And then they set cherry bombs off in the outhouses. They harden the water of the well. And then it works because you hear it's feuding time. Uh, and the bullets fly across the river with great volume. And uh, then you hear, this is terrible. They're just brutal savages. Yeah, but they're historically correct savages. And I'm just like, there it is. There you have it. Your thesis summarized. Right. Ta-da. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to finish this episode up with the 2007 uh, iteration. Um, uh, so 2007, we see another made-for-TV movie, but this time it's a horror film. Um, so what do you expect? Uh, Jody Hatfield and Ricky McCoy want to be together, so they have to hide their love. They try to leave town, but they're found out by their families, and Ricky McCoy summons Pumpkinhead, to bring vengeance down upon the families for keeping him and Jody apart. See, Pumpkinhead, if you didn't know, as if you didn't know, is yeah. a magical forest demon. Um, and the families refuse to believe that such is the case, and instead they think that their arch rivals are the real cause. So they, they attempt to go to war only to be stopped when Pumpkinhead attacks the Hatfield house. So then they have to put aside their differences and combine forces to stave off the creature before it finishes its vengeance pact. Like you do. Hmm. Now, as far as I could tell, this one went straight to DVD. I did not see it released yeah. anywhere. That's February of 07. And that is as schlock as it gets. And that's the last thing that we see until 2012, which we will start in the next episode. Okay. So, what have you gleaned other than I did too much? Uh, Well, you always do. <laughs> um, so that's, that's not actually anything I glean. That's, that's just the state of state of play around here. Fair. Um, the, the reduction of everything to like its own, its own subgenre of Commedia dell'arte. Mm -hmm. This, this has all been shorthanded and shorthanded and shorthanded until like, well, all right, look. If you're going to do the story of the Hadfields and the McCoys, you have to include the pig. Right. Uh, the river is optional. 
But if it's animated, you probably want to include the river. If it's animated, that's that's a nice visual shorthand. So you probably want to include that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Romeo Juliet subplot is a usual go to, but you don't have to. In fact, it becomes background noise at best. If you think about all of yeah. these, it it yeah. wasn't about that now. It's like a B-plot. Andy Griffith was the last time it really took center stage. Yeah, it turns it turns into a B plot. Yeah. Um and you know, you can you can choose to uh you know, try to try to take the focus and put the focus on uh the two the two uh I almost said primarchs, patriarchs of of their respective houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I go back to what I said about this is like Shakespeare only without the respect we would give to Shakespeare. Right. This is like Shakespeare's third string competition. Mm-hmm. All of this is tropey as fuck. Yes. If you've seen one of them, you can almost definitely guess where the beats are going to lead. Yes. And it's it's melodrama, and it's all and and a part of the theme of it all at this point mm-hmm. has become the antiquity of it. Yeah, you're right. You know this 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 has become a, you know, uh, what was what was the line from the beginning? The, the thrilling days of yesteryear, mm-hmm. kind of thing that's that's a trope involved in all of this in and of itself is we are we are taking this story out of our past and i really am still stuck on the fact that they've consistently moved the fictionalizations Mm -hmm. out of appalachia yeah and into into the the Ozarks. ozarks yeah which I I wonder I wonder if it, it doesn't have something to do with this is all being done by Hollywood and the Ozarks are just closer. Mm-hmm. Which feels lazy, but we've seen shit like that in other places. Yeah. So so as so as as much as that sounds like a lazy theory on my part, it can't be a hundred percent discounted, you know. Well, um, I, I wonder if the greater concentration of urbanization pulls people further and further from both of these areas in terms of the public consciousness. And as a result, it just becomes more nebulous. These are flyover states with hill people. You have a hill range, go. Okay. Yeah. Like, I and wonder if there's something to that as well. Yeah. And for most Americans who are not from either of these two regions mm-hmm. Appalachia versus Ozarks I mean the only reason the only reason you and I are looking at this like wait that's fucking wrong is because we're both we're both history nerds this is true for, true and, I mean Richard Dawson know, his, himself didn't know the difference between Virginia and West Virginia, Virginia and West didn't Virginia care. well he's he's wasn't a uh born in the states anyway he was a Brit wasn't he I think you're right so yeah. Like, I'd almost, almost give him a pass for that, but still, like, mm-hmm. he's an asshole anyway. 
Uh, <laughs> this is just one more bit of evidence for what a prick he was. Um, but I, I do think the the casual offhand, yeah, wherever the fuck you're from, who gives a shit? You're gonna get a pick. his Shut his up. yeah <laughs> his his attitude there, yeah, and and the way the people he insulted laughed at it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The 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 internalized kind of well, you know, Virginia, West Virginia, yeah, we get it. Nobody knows. Like, ha ha ha. Nobody, nobody from California would would take that shit if somebody said that about Nevada. Like, you know, yeah, mixed us up with Nevada, right? Or even said like, oh, you're from Oakland. Fuck you. I'm from Sacramento. You know, like yeah, yeah. Or or you know, you're from you're from Modesto, bitch. I'm from Stockton. You know, like. <laughs> you know yeah there there'd be their knives would come out and they would not go go away right you know but the the internalized um they they even even the descendants of the hatfields and the mccoys have internalized this uh image of their at least their ancestors and maybe themselves as mm-hmm. being bumpkins yeah and that's interesting like sad and and could be kind like of their troubling it, well i mean it, yeah it could be their kid like they're on camera and like right. okay we have to be good sports right yeah, because I mean, I mean, they did pretend to shoot at each other at the end. That was clearly, that's true. you know, yeah. done it's, up. Yeah, like. obviously done up. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, but the fact that he could get away with saying that, yeah, and the audience at home would, oh, that Richard, right? What a dick! Ha ha ha! Sure, and also you all know, those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we care what their difference is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a daytime um, game show. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just the 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 way that this story, like almost nobody actually knows the historical details of it because it is kind of convoluted. Yes, quite so. But everybody knows the the high points from the skit mm-hmm. that the story has been turned into. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And that's a really interesting case of lore drift mm-hmm. to me. And I yeah. think that's that's kind of my that's kind of my takeaway right now. Sure. Is just the the extent to which this has now become myth. Mm-hmm. You know, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I I do not disagree with you there. Cool. Well, um, let's see. What are you reading this week or what are you going to recommend to people to read? Uh, well, in the uh, realm of violence as entertainment, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to recommend a fantasy novel by Joe Abercrombie. And anybody who recognizes his name is going to be nodding uh, right now. Uh, the title of the book is The Heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it surrounds it's imagine if a low fantasy author 
wrote their own version of Gettysburg. Okay. Or or rather of uh, The Killer Angels by Michael Shara. This is a multiple character viewpoint depiction of a battle between two kingdoms. And one of the kingdoms is basically think, you know, D and D semi-barbarians. Okay. Okay. They're, they're Northmen literally from it's the Northern kingdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wear a lot of fur. They wear a lot of ring mail, you know, a lot of leather broadswords, that kind of stuff. And then the other kingdom is more technologically advanced, uh, has a more centralized government, and they're closer to a uh, Renaissance kind of kind of vibe. But nobody is a good guy. It's all written in a uh, one of the one of the descriptions of it is it's a Kurosawa kind of stylized violence, hmm. um, and. Abercrombie manages to take characters that you've never met before because it's a standalone novel. He takes characters you've never met before, makes many of them really rat bastards, but they all have depth. They all have an internal life and they all have motivation. And you, I could not put the book down. Nice. It is really compelling and it's an amazing read and in the midst of um, all of this violence that we've been talking about historically being cartoonified, he does not do that. Um, it is it is propulsive. It is exciting, but it is also ugly. <laughs> and 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 the people who commit it are damaged by it. So yeah, it's 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 an amazing novel. Highly recommend it. The Heroes by Joe Abercrombie. How about you? Nice. I'm actually, you know, inspired by your exhaustion. I am going to recommend the following book, Safe and Sound, A Renter-Friendly Guide to Home Repair by Mercury Stardust. Uh, I follow her on the TikTok app. Um, okay. She is also known as the Trans Handy Ma'am. Um, nice. She, she is a fucking delight. Um, and her book is so just wonderfully illustrated I am an idiot when it comes to home repair. <laughs> this shit like made me understand stuff. So okay. it was, it's awesome. It's, it's really nice. And it, you know, uh, the, the money goes toward a really nice person. So, so just yeah. because I'm curious of, mm-hmm. of the things that she talks about in the book, which repair was the most useful to you so far or most eye opening. Uh, the ease with which you can repair a, not the shower, but the bath faucet. Okay. Real nice. Um, and same with sink faucet. So shit that moves water, um, is usually very intimidating (laughs) to me. So I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. Plumbing. Mm, Yeah. So yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Um, let's see. Neither of us want to be found. So, oh, oh, actually I do want to be found. Oh, March 1st. Um, I want yeah. you to go to sackcomedyspot.com and look for tickets to Capital Punishment because we're coming back uh, March 1st uh, and book yeah. your tickets, fill the place out, show them how good we are for business. Um, okay. So that's where I want to be found live. Well, you said the Doing website. Fun. Yeah. You said the web- where, where is the physical place? 
Oh, uh, it's downtown in Sacramento. It's okay. on, uh, if I recall correctly, it is, uh, put me on the spot and I should know these things. <laughs> um, it, it's, it is, it, it is the SAC comedy, the comedy spot. spot. Yeah. It's oh, okay. on 20th right. and I want to say J. All right. Uh, so yeah, it's right there in the lavender district. It's a nice, lovely spot. So very cool. Yeah. Um, great very, things going to be done there. for you. That's awesome. Yeah. So definitely find me there. Where can they right. find us as far as this uh, well, podcast? Uh, collectively, you have found us somewhere either on uh, Stitcher or uh, the Apple Podcast app. Uh, either oh, wherever Stitcher's gone. Stitcher. It's, sorry. Yeah. No. Sorry, it is Spotify. Spotify again. Yeah. <laughs> so I got I got so much in the habit of of not saying Spotify, but right. um, you found us either on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. Uh, wherever it is that you have found us, please uh, hit the subscribe button. Give us the five-star review that you know uh, that Damien's exhaustive research has has earned him. Um, and, of course, our website is wubbawubbawubba.geekhistorytime.com. And you can go through our entire archive there and and just look at the titles and pick something as a starting point. Um, and, and, you know, if, if one episode or chain of episodes doesn't catch your interest, we have plenty of other stuff for you to choose from. Mm. Well, cool. Yeah. That, yeah. that should do it. Uh, well, for geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, get off my land.